0: All rise.
1: Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett
2: Kelly. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report, broadcast live from the Internet Law Center in the heart of Silicon Beach here in Santa Monica, California. We've got a great show, and it's the opening of the baseball season, and um, we're going to um, have some interesting baseball um, comments for you. Um, our first guest actually is a huge baseball fan and um most notably he is um his bio indicates he is torn between being a uh, fan of the Giants in San Francisco where he lives and his hometown boston Red sox um he's a native of gloucester and um so we're gonna have someone he's going we'll tell you a little bit more about what he's going to talk about in the second half um we had a we had a special Um, guest on uh, a very interesting point on baseball, Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit, and then we'll have some news updates, including uh, a report on the decision of the New York High Court in um, the Amazon tax case. So our our first guest um, is Michael McGarry, and he is um, the political director for um, Engine um, Advocacy, and they've launched um, st- um, Startup Day on Capitol Hill. They just had their second one, and um, so we're gonna have um, Michael come on in just a minute, and um, his background um, is he works with um, Engine, and um, he's and I, we definitely gotta give him credit for launching Startup Day. Um, But he's a a conflicted Red Sox and Giants fan, according to his own bio. But um, they've lost a a major advocacy effort. They've done a lot of work on SOPA. They were ones that generated a lot of the phone calls on SOPA. And so um, we're really glad to have them. Um, And do we have Michael yet? You're the um, founder of Startup Day on Capitol Hill. Can you tell me how that came about?
3: Sure, so um, I'm the co-founder of an organization called Engine Advocacy, which seeks to um, better align uh, people from the startup community and and people in government to create better public policy uh, from and for the startup community. And as part of that, one of the ways that we take direct action is by bringing entrepreneurs to Capitol Hill uh, to meet with members of Congress and their staff, uh, folks at the White House and regulatory agencies. We do this, um, we've done it a couple of times now, so probably a couple times a year, where we come in and talk about a range of issues that are um, important to the community, not the least of which is the general economic impact of of startups um, to the American economy, and try to get uh, more members of Congress to use the products that are being created by entrepreneurs, um, get a hands-on approach, so we do a demo session, we did it in a um, caucus room in the U.S. Capitol this time around. And we've done uh, informative panels uh, on on those issues with voices both from the startup community to educate members of Congress and their staff and for members of Congress to talk to us about what they're hearing in Washington and how we can uh, best be a part of that. And then we also do individual meetings with members and staff um, and, again, folks in the administration uh, all over Washington to uh, uh, to to, once again, Try to make an impact and 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 uh, and and help uh, both sides learn about each other a little more. Try sure. to build relationships and bridges between the two communities, because uh, we we feel like it's it's vitally important for um, for the general economic health and well-being in this country to focus on what the startup community is is doing and how it's growing and where it's growing. And, and be able to communicate that message effectively to Congress and, and, and folks in the in the power structures in Washington and, and in state and local governments all across the country that can have an effect on making it just a little easier to start and run and, and grow a small
2: business in the United States. Now, uh, before going further into that, you have a political background, don't you?
3: Yeah, I, I've been trying to get out of politics for about 10 years now, but <laughs> here we are. Um, I've worked with with two presidential campaigns. I worked for um, Governor Dean and uh, with Senator Obama before he was president, obviously, um, and uh, have have done some work there in, in a number of capacities. And I also worked with uh, a law firm uh, in California. I'm, I am not a lawyer. Don't purport to be one. I have many friends that are lawyers, so I also won't uh, besmirch the profession. So, a lot of
2: listeners are, so be careful. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, I worked with a, a law firm in Northern California on political compliance and disclosure law and did um, some liaison work between their client base of Fortune 500 companies and you know some of the leading PACs and, and advocacy groups in the country and, and uh, on, on compliance and disclosure. So that's as, as well as other things, my political background. I've been working in startups now for the better part of three years. Um, I went down to Silicon Valley to try to get away from it, and, and a little bit like Michael Corleone, found myself getting pulled back in because these are issues that are uh, very important that we think can that, that this community can have a direct and deep impact on on the debate, and uh, we we saw an opportunity to. To, to build that coalition. And so we've spent the last 18 months um, working on that. And it's been pretty uh, – um, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride. And I think we've had a, we've had a little bit of that impact already. And we're looking forward to seeing how much more we can do and, and continue to grow.
2: So when you talk about startups, is, is it fair to say that this is more tech-oriented startups? So it's an interesting question, actually. Technology, I
3: think, powers a lot of, if, if not all, um you know sectors of, of the american economy at this point and certainly a lot of the startups that we work with are technology focused but there's also you know the story of the small business that, that leverages that technology created at a startup in san francisco or los angeles or kansas city or austin or wherever mm-hmm. um to make their business stronger so the 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 um the, the the one I always use story I always use, is there's a bakery in my neighborhood in San Francisco called Devil's Teeth Baking Company and this is by no means they are not a startup at all right they make really good beignets on Sunday almost as good as Cafe Du Monde in New Orleans and I <laughs> I eat more than more than I probably should but I go down there and I get my beignets Sunday morning and I go to the cash point and instead of there being a a, a you know multi thousand dollar point of sale system there's an iPad with a Square dongle on it right so in that way. The technology that's being created at startups filters down into these small businesses and lessens the overhead startup costs for, for these businesses. And they were able to, to take off and, and go you know, probably faster and a little stronger because of that. So while we do generally represent, um, like I say, the, the ideals and the vision from and for the startup community, um, and that does necessarily you know generally rather mean uh, technology driven businesses and high growth entrepreneurial businesses that net effect is felt far beyond these these entrepreneurial communities and these startups themselves into how business continues to grow and it 's actually it 's reflected in some research we 've done around the economic impact of the startup community and that not only are we creating jobs in fact all of the net job growth in the last quarter century in the United States has been started uh, and powered by young, high-growth entrepreneurial technology companies, but there's also this uh, multiplier effect in communities where 4.3 non-tradable sector jobs are being created um, by Uh, by by these uh, companies moving into these communities. So that's everything from, you know, bakers to plumbers to, yes, lawyers um, that are, you know, popping up in places because there's new tech jobs that are available um, in a given community. So the net effects of these are really felt throughout the wider economy. So when when we say, you know, are we just talking about what, what startup technology companies can do? Yes, that's our main focus, but the, the net effect is felt far beyond that as well.
2: Now, how did you choose the startups to, to bring to Washington?
3: Um, we had a, sort of a, a two, uh, two-sided process. We invited a number of uh, companies that we'd met along the way that we thought would be good and that had expressed interest. And then we actually just opened it up on our website, engine.is where you can as a startup entrepreneur or a founder or an investor or someone from this community you can join up and and get updates from us and people then reached out to us directly and we were actually oversubscribed in this round so when we do it again we've already got a pool to uh, a great pool to choose from but we're encouraging people to reach out to us if it's something that that's uh, if it's something that they would like to to be a part of in the future we'll be doing it again soon and also probably some smaller uh, trips as well. But if you join us on engine.is, you can always hear about ways to get involved. And so we we uh, chose people from that, that reached out to us directly as well. And we had a really great group um, the two times that we've done it, but this time was fantastic. We had over 60 entrepreneurs that, that came with us to Washington from all across the country from a diverse range of backgrounds with great stories to tell that, um, you know, most of many or most of whom, you know, expressed to me that it was um, a, a, a good experience, which is something that's gratifying considering when you look at how the startup community has interacted with government in the past. It's really been a whole lot of you know, putting your blinders on, putting your head down, focusing on your product. Just don't come you know, for my business. I'll write you a check if I agree with you on social issues, but don't make a big fuss about what I'm trying to build. Don't get in my way. And after the SOPA-PIPA um, debate, in late 2011 and early 2012, which was sort of you know synchronous with when we were starting engine, although not the main focus originally, um, you know a lot of people started to sit up and say, "Okay, if government's first thought is seek first to regulate, I guess I better be part of the discussion." And so that's really helped us with recruitment of. Um, member companies and people that want to be involved in our orbit and get more involved in in the things that we're doing. So um, that that has been really good. And, and as we continue to um, have more of these events like Startup Day on the Hill, you know, we're, we're finding that more and more people come back to us and say, you know what, it is really important for me to get involved, and we're thankful that there's someone out there, you know, helping us be in the convener, that bridge builder along the way as well.
2: well we're going to hear a little bit more about that after these messages. You're listening to Start um, Startup. <laughs> That's a good thing It's this is tapes. Uh, we're to hear more about that after these messages. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report.
1: Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors.
0: Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate display media or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Ah, the Fisherman's Wharf, the Golden Gate Bridge, Wine Country, and Ad Tech. It's time again for the event for digital marketing to return to the City by the Bay. AdTech San Francisco 2013 is back April 9th and 10th. Register now at ad-tech.com. AdTech San Francisco 2013 features keynote presentations, think tanks, and breakout sessions with speakers from brands like AOL, Google, Pandora, Walmart Labs, Intel, Publisys Group, Salesforce, and so much more. Add the Under the Influence Summit free to all attendees, the Google Engage for Agency series, and you have AdTech San Francisco 2013, April 9th and 10th, from the fabulous Bosconi Center. Register now at ad-tech.com.
2: Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social
0: PPC and failed? <laughs> You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate.
2: dominate. <laughs> Aim Clear, <laughs> the agency, brings definitive psychographic targeting, <laughs> bleeding edge creative, <laughs> and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with
1: social. Aim Clear,
2: this is how you sell with
1: social. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, on webmasterradio.fm.
2: And this is Ben and Kelly. You're back, and we're uh, have Michael McGeary talking about Startup Day. I mean, what were the ones that the people on Capitol Hill responded to?
3: Um, you know, they, there was a lot of really great response all around. Uh, we brought Lyft with us from out here in San Francisco. Um, and we have brought Uber with us as well, um, these you new know, ride-sharing services. Uh, Uber came with us on the first startup day back in 2012, and, and Lyft was with us this time around. And uh, you know that's something that's very tangible, especially for staffers in DC who are uh, you know left having to use a broken DC taxi system most of the time uh, to get uh, you know between engagements, uh, perhaps in, in the evening. Um, and it's, it, it, uh, transport does become an issue for, for these guys and, and for members themselves. And uh, so they really react when people are trying to disrupt that space and be um, a better uh, sort of corporate citizen of things like personal transportation and, and trying to rewire those kinds of things. So that was, uh, that was one that really hit big. Um, one that I was a particular fan of, actually, is a woman named Naya Mositas out of New York, who runs something called Writer's Block, which is a book accelerator. So you think of your startup accelerator like Y Combinator or 500 Startups or what have you. Well, she's doing it for young and promising authors um, that want to expand the reach of a book that they're writing and work with them on, on, on how to get out there and publicize things in a different way or or, or market to uh, different, you know, demographics, or, or use technologies that are out there that, that might help them expand their reach. Um, so that was something to me that that sounded very interesting and very cool. And that was out in New York City, um, and it was great to have them. We also had WeWork Labs, and they actually um, they brought down I want to say nine or ten or maybe even more of their companies that sit in their in their spaces in New York City. They worked with Amtrak to get. Um, some some uh, open seats to come down to Union Station and, and come across to the Capitol. But WeWork has been a great partner as well in New York and, and in cities all around the world where they now have um, co-working spaces where people can come together. Um, you know, one or two people that are that are working on a company and, and be in uh, in a space that that is. Um, you know, where they're surrounded by other people doing the same thing and you have a much uh, better sort of collaborative working environment that's you know not structured or you know in in any you know particular way but where you have a lot of cross communication that really i think helps with both creativity and like i say collaboration. And so it's great to have the WeWork guys come down and explain you know, why they got started in in you know, real estate in New York to try to bring people like this together, entrepreneurs and and the kind of and show off the kind of success that they're having. So, those are just a few of them, but we had a, a whole range of others. We posted some stories on on engine.is and, and you can read those as well from the perspective of of uh, of the entrepreneurs that came. The last one I'll talk about, though, th- these were great. Is two two women that I met um, randomly just here in San Francisco, and it's it's part of living up here, and you know the. The, the the work environment, everybody's sort of in a startup, but two women, Stacy Dilo and, and, and Debbie Ryan, who started something called maybrooks.com, which is a great website. And it's something that I'm actually looking at right now. It is for uh, women who want a non-traditional work experience. Uh, maybe they're just coming out of maternity leave or, you know, they're, they're coming back to the workplace after being a stay-at-home mom or things like that. Um, and they're giving, they're trying to connect, you know, women who, have you know incredible talents that maybe want to you know find a better work-life balance for themselves as they raise a young family, and connect them with um, you know em- employers, whether it's in the startup community or, or larger, more established even Fortune 500 companies to find jobs where they can find that balance. And that's something that uh, we're looking at right now. In my family, I have a 10-week-old at home. Uh, my my wife is uh, just about to go back off maternity leave in a few weeks. And um, so it's it's something that I've been thinking a lot about. We've been thinking a lot about as a family, and I'm, and I'm very grateful that people like Stacy and Debbie are out there, you know, putting putting these pieces together and connecting, uh, you know, people who are talented that that might want to work in less of that traditional nine to five way and be able to do that in a in a, um, in, a uh, in a thoughtful way, and also compiling the data of the, the the women and the companies that are coming through their system and being able to show that in and a, they showed it off in a very visual way during our demo session and in some of the conversations we had with members of congress and their staff um, and at the white house and, and we're able to really show what this community is starting to look like that 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 emerging you know uh, majority of, of 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 people that 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 are looking for more of that work-life balance and and be able to show that to uh to, to folks in Congress that might be able to work on you know some, some workplace regulations or, or whatever it is you know to, to make that balance a little bit easier for all of us. And, and that was really interesting and inspiring to see as well. So we had a really good group. Those are just a few of them. Um, and we're looking we're always looking for more and, and more people that can tell interesting stories in, in, in this way.
2: What was the focus on um, basically letting them know um, kind of the vibrancy and, and the, the contributions being made by the startup community, or, or did you pinpoint certain issues that you, you really wanted to weigh in on? So we,
3: we, we, we did both of those things realistically. Uh, we, we wanted to talk about the general economic impact of the startup community, which we think is vitally important and not very well understood um, in, in a lot of camps right now in that, I think there's a perception that if you're working in a startup, you're working in about a 10-block radius of where I'm sitting right now in South of Market in San Francisco or maybe down in Palo Alto or in New York City. Or Silicon Beach. (laughs) Or This this is exactly my point, though, is that these are communities that are growing all across the country, not just in San Francisco and the Valley of New York, but in Los Angeles and Orange County and in Austin, Texas and in Chicago and Kansas City and Detroit. And Missoula, Montana, and you name it—wherever you know it's growing—in Boulder, Colorado, you've got these communities that are growing and having a direct impact on the, the communities in which they form, and making them stronger and making them more economically, you know, vibrant and bringing a vitality to that and growth to those communities. So we did want to talk about that. There's also a, a number of issues that we wanted to focus directly on. The two that stuck out. Um, to the um, attendees of, of, of this startup day were high-skill immigration and patent reform. And on immigration, you know, I think we're, we're at a moment now where, uh, you know, hopefully in the next week here, I think we're going to start seeing some language come out of, of the Senate and perhaps the House as well on broad-based comprehensive immigration reform. And we wanted to make sure that the, the, the people that are, that are working in, in, in the startup community, uh, or in tech businesses had an opportunity to, to stay here and do that we're, We bring in people from all over the world who, through no fault of their own, were not born in the United States, but they come here for the best education in the world and then in many cases we ship them home. A lot of those people you know that go through and get you know advanced degrees in science technology engineering mathematics want to stay here and start a business. We had uh, a few folks that that came with us on this trip that were exactly like that, many of whom were about to get sent home and, you know, back to their country of origin to start the business they wanted, but do it in India or Canada or France or Chile or wherever else they've got the welcome sign out for people that want to start and run startup uh, businesses. We've got to get better about that. We've got to, you know, find a way as part of this larger debate right now to, um, to, to save space for the entrepreneurs and for the highly educated people that have come here, have gotten an education of the best universities in the world that want to stay here and work to drive the American economy and tech business. The other issue that comes up for a lot of people has been um, the, the current broken patent regime that we're looking at right now. And, you know, we went a long way with the American Invents Act, but in a lot of ways we also didn't go far enough. Um, you know, and that was a process that took seven years. We're looking at a system where, startups and are, are having a hard time getting capital for, uh, for business ideas and products that may run afoul of patent trolls or non-practicing entities, however you want to describe it. Right. And if that being the case, uh, we want to make sure that it's easier for young companies to navigate that process, to be able to protect their intellectual property in whatever way is best, but to do it in a thoughtful way that doesn't restrict or choke off innovation at its source.
2: And there's legislation to deal with the patent trolls.
3: Well, we've got SHIELD Act out there right now, which, uh, you know, has a lot, of, uh, a lot of good ideas in it. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, I think that it's a good – it's definitely a great first step, and, and you know, Congressman DeFazio and Congressman Chaffetz have, have really been leading on this um, in the House. And so we did talk a lot about SHIELD Act. I think that there's uh, – you know, other ideas that, that are also floating out there that we might be able to pull together either into a larger bill or, or continue to chip away at in pieces. But the most important thing is, and and, and again, I know most of your audience is lawyers and I, and I don't mean to to, to speak out of, out of school here, but venture capital firms aren't going to give, uh, you know, large amounts of money to young companies so that it can be thrown into litigation right. and, and thrown into protecting against the patent troll. They want to give, you know, uh, they, they want to make investment in companies so that they will grow and prosper and you know, create more jobs and growth. And they will do that through the innovation and the innovative ideas that, that they bring to the table. And they want to be able to use that investment to power that, not to line the pockets of uh, you know, IP attorneys, and certainly not to pay, you know, to to drown themselves on paperwork to go through a patent system that is broken that isn't allowing for the kinds of innovation that, that we're seeing, that we, we could create the next Google or Facebook or eBay or Amazon or you name your big company that's out there. And we've got to allow them to get to market faster, better, and stronger and not have to worry about, well, I'm going to have to retain patent counsel and that's going to cost me $250,000 or I'm going to have to go to intellectual ventures and license a patent portfolio so that they don't come after me and that's going to cost the same amount of money or more. We've got to make that system easier. so right. that. So immigration, patent, and the general economic health and vitality of the startup community. I think that's um, those are a lot of things that
2: we talked about. What and was the feedback you got from from the people on the hill, and were there any members that you think really stood out as being stars who who get it?
3: You know that it used to be that there was the, it was the same seven members of Congress, you know, or, or eight members of Congress that would come around and, and go to all these events, and more and more that that group is growing. And, and and getting you know that that bench is getting deeper. I'll point to a couple of leaders though. Um, you know, on the Senate side, uh, you know, Senator Wyden from Oregon has been a, a stalwart uh, supporter of the technology community for many years. And which it was, is
2: ironic, if you know his background, he started off with the Grey Panthers. <laughs> yeah, I
3: mean that's it's it, it's it's fun to see how that how that's evolved. I mean, when when he was in there. Working on you know Section 230 of uh, of CDA, you know back when the internet was was still basically a growing idea, but now to see him continuing to lead, that's been great. But another guy that I'll point to on the other side of the aisle is Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas. Now this is a guy that comes from the prairie, right? He is a plain spoken, you know Republican, you know uh, down the line senator. He's been a member of Congress for a long time as well. He's a Kansan. He's a, he's a regular guy, and you would never look to him as being a leader on technology and entrepreneurship, but he really has taken up the mantle uh, of taking this stuff on, whether it's his leadership on Startup Acts, which is now in its third iteration that he's worked with with worked on with Senator Warner from Virginia and Senator Coons uh, from Delaware. Uh, whether it's you know his principled stance against the protect IP act you know during the soPA PIPA debates um, you know all of the the rest of it his support of entrepreneurship generally but especially of the startup community of, of his willingness to to learn and grow um, you know on these technology issues to come to South by Southwest in Austin and talk with entrepreneurs as he did um, a number of times over uh, both last year and this year um, He's the guy that, and I, I, I've used this analogy a lot, he's the guy we all knew in college that didn't just ace the final exam. He's the guy that comes in, was at all the lectures, did all the reading, asked the right questions, and then when he showed up at the final, knew what the questions were going to be, much less the answers to them. He's, he's, he's a, a quick study, he's, a, he's a, a solid learner, and he's someone that has a real appetite for this. And he has really stood out to me. Um, you know, as someone who, as I like to say, comes from a liberal Massachusetts Union household where, we still vote for Ted Kennedy, and he and I get along <laughs> on these tech issues and and, and 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 talk a whole lot about them and that also speaks to you know the the, 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 the intense um, you know amount of research and, and and things like that that are done by his staff he 's got a couple staffers, Jason Weens and Mark Colwell, that are lights out some of the best on Capitol Hill with regard to tech issues, and, and it's, he's really learned from them as well and has been a great supporter of the startup community and has been a great supporter of ours. So those are two that stand out. And then, of course, you have you know, Chairman Issa in the House and Congresswoman Eshoo and, and Lofgren. We met with Leader Pelosi as well when we were there um, and, and talked about these issues. Uh, you know, you've got you know people like Jared Polis, who themselves have been entrepreneurs, that are in Congress now and and want to be supportive. But that list is continuing to grow. Um, You know, we we have – we we had Senator Pryor in our office from Arkansas the other day, and and he's uh, been a great supporter of of tech issues as well, you know, obviously leading the the subcommittee on the Internet, um, the Commerce Committee in the Senate. Uh, We had Congressman Farenthold from Corpus Christi uh, down at South by Southwest this year on the Republican side as well. So this – this, this cadre is continuing to grow, and as it does, it's important for our community to step up and really um, be a part of these conversations that are happening in Washington, and help to educate uh, members of Congress on what it is that we do, and then conversely, you know, be receptive to members of Congress coming. Coming to us, asking about what we do, telling us about what's happening in Congress, and, and being part of that debate uh, as well, and, and educating us on how to do it. So that's where we really see our role at Engine, is is bringing those two communities together and and, and helping helping that uh, that conversation take place.
2: Will there be another one this year, or are you going to start next year?
3: Well, right now we're we're so focused on immigration. Um, I think we're going to be doing some more targeted things over the next few months to try to get that to uh, get the ball over the goal line with. Uh, with regard to to immigration. I'm not sure if we'll do another uh, uh, startup day this year. I think we might. So uh, keep keep your eyes on engine.is. Uh, we'll announce it there if we're going to do it. Um, but it's definitely something we will do again soon. I just don't know if it's going to be 2013 or early 2014 at this point.
2: Well, I guess you know, definitely if you can do it in the spring, <laughs> Washington's is so beautiful then rather than February. Well, but... we've, done it, we've
3: done it now in June and in February. and In February, we, we managed to escape the snow. In June, it was about 105 degrees, wow. uh, which let me tell you, when, when you're not used to wearing a wool suit uh, and you're in Washington in that weather was was challenging. Uh, but, now, you know, we'll try to hit it during cherry blossom sometime.
2: That's it. That's really a beautiful time to be there. Well, I want to thank you for participating. If um, if people want more information on you and your group, where should they go?
3: Uh, join us at engine.is. We've got a lot going on uh, on that website, and, and keep, your eyes out for, keep your eyes out there for uh, what we'll be doing. Uh, the other place I'll push people, if you're particularly interested in the high-skill immigration debate, we're part of something called the Virtual March for Innovation, which is being led by uh, – Partnership for a New American Economy, uh, out of Mayor Bloomberg's office in New York. And that's marchforinnovation.com. So you can check that out as well. We'll be doing a lot of stuff with, with uh, Mayor Bloomberg's office and others to, to try to um, get that, uh, like I said, that ball over the goal line with immigration. But uh, marchforinnovation.com and engine.is. We are not based in Iceland. It, it's uh, it's more of a design <laughs> element than anything else. But engine is uh, engine.is and uh, check is out there as well.
2: Are you doing anything at the state level? We've done a
3: little bit um, with uh, with things here in California, especially on the regulatory side with, um, with the transportation, uh, particularly with CPEC. Yeah. Um, where we see ourselves having the greatest impact is the federal and the local level, oddly enough. So we've worked with the city here in San Francisco, and we've got a partnership with the Austin Technology Council down in Austin and done some things in New York as well, and we're working on the, on the local level to try to help grow startup communities um, we we look at areas where we can have the greatest impact, and I think there are opportunities for us at the state level, but our primary focus is at federal and
2: local levels first and foremost. Well, best of luck to you. And, again, thanks again for being on. Um, everyone, Michael McGreary and engine.is is the place to find them, and um, best of luck and um, keep us keep us posted. Will do. Thanks for having me, Bennett. Short break, but when we come back, we're going to have – Baseball, taxes, and Stevie Nicks. After these messages, you're listening to Cyber
1: Law and Business Report. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors.
0: Time now for another exciting episode of Base of Analytics! Brought to you by AnalyticsSEO.com. In our last adventure, our hero was fending off his evil nemesis, Rhino the Algo. Hey, that ruthless rhino has updated the algorithm again, and our website is falling down the rankings fast. Have no fear. Use our automated SEO tool to stay updated and to monitor your site with detailed reports. Or use our multi-site project management tool to manage all of your sites to stay on top. Take it from our fearless friend and be your own SEO hero with analyticsseo.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools
3: literally save me hours every day.
0: How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features?
3: Easy. With certified knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files.
0: Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now.
1: Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrand. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for
0: eBrands.
1: The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to
2: the Cyber Law and Business Report. And just a, a note, um, today is the birthday of Marlon Brando, who who passed several years ago. And if you've never seen Marlon Brando in On the Waterfront, you do not have a, an appreciation of really what to, how great an actor he was. And in addition, the movie itself has amazing performances by... Carl Malden, uh, Rod Steiger, Lee J. Cobb, Eva Brie Saint won an Oscar for it as well for her first film. Um, so you, you have to see it. You know, you've probably seen that it could have been a contender scene, uh, but definitely you gotta rent um, on the waterfront or you know stream it, whatever. But definitely see it. So this is opening week in baseball, and you know that's definitely part of the American pastime and American culture. It's a right of spring. And so we wanted to give you a special treat. And um, we, um, we started off, and if you Google um, the World Series, it will tell you that the first World Series was between Boston and Pittsburgh in 1903. Um, but the first postseason matchup between the American and National Leagues occurred a generation before that. In 1884, between the New York Metropolitans and the Providence Grays, who swept the Mets in three games. Imagine that. New Englanders actually beating the Mets. Take that, Mookie Wilson. Um, But the Grays also had an African-American player, a Hispanic player, a partly deaf player, which led to the use of hand signals in baseball today, and a pitcher who won 59 games, something that hasn't been matched. And he's in the Hall of Fame today. The Grays are also responsible for the introduction of the baseball glove and the phrase bullpen. So earlier today, we taped an interview with Duncan Putney, who has, written, who has written a screenplay for both a documentary and dramatic retelling of the story, which occurred the year without summer since it was after the Krakatoa volcanoes in Indonesia, which yielded an explosion four times today's nuclear devices and had somewhat of a nuclear winter effect, causing a, a cool summer um, all across the world. So unfortunately, though, there's some, some problems with the recording, so we'll have to have Duncan back another time, and we wish him luck in bringing this story to life by documentary or feature film and it it'll be fascinating to watch as the story unfolds as he tells of all these crazy characters and this is in the dawn of baseball and the dawn of the industrial revolution and um so i i wish him luck it seems like a very fascinating story and um in the and the thought that you know in 1884 that there were uh, baseball was integrated, but somehow it, it seemed to segregate after that. So um, so apologize for that. We will have them back another time. So the, the major news development um, that we want to report on was the decision of the New York Court of Appeals in the Amazon decision on the Amazon tax. And by a 4-1 vote, the court upheld the New York Amazon law and then you know we've talked about this issue probably uh, more than any other issue in the 3 years we've been on the the air and um it, New York was the genesis of the whole Amazon tax craze and um uh, New York decided that um they were having a serious revenue, revenue crunch uh, a, a major deficit and they they uh followed Yui Long's maxim don't tax you don't tax me Tax the guy behind the tree, and so they picked Amazon and out of state and other out of state entities um, to, to shift the burden to them. And historically, that's something courts have been sensitive to. You know, courts have been realized that um, you can't discriminate against out of staters and and that's where um, courts have often struck down you know, kind of protectionist legislation or legislation that unfairly burdens uh, in, interstate commerce. Um, but the New York Supreme Court. Um, seem to have a different view. And there's the Supreme Court president, which isn't that old, of Quill versus North Dakota, which which established a bright line rule for a purpose. You know, a bright line, so it would be easy to follow. And the bright line rule was, unless you have a physical presence in a state, it is unconstitutional to require you to collect taxes for that state. And Despite you know, a, a rather plain, direct, clear statement of what the law is, the New York um, Court of Appeal, which is their high court, said the world has changed dramatically in two decades. And it may be that the physical presence test is outdated. An entity may now have a profound impact upon a foreign jurisdiction solely through its virtual projections via the Internet. That question, however, would be for the United States Supreme Court to consider. And I say this to the justices of the New York Court of Appeals. No. What is for you to consider is the fact that stare decisis, the law of the land, is the quill test. It is not for you to say, well, we don't think that test is convenient. We may not, we're not going to follow it now. That is the law of the land until the Supreme Court says otherwise. And so I'm, I'm, it's it's appalling that you think you can ignore Quill and punt it to the Supreme Court. And I hope Supreme Court takes it and punts it back. But there, it's possible, however, that there may be another decision. Um, in with just one other point, the dissent you know made made great emphasis. There was one dissenter who made great emphasis on the fact that you know the the court was ignoring Quill. Um, you know we've had Rebecca Madigan on a number of times, and um, she's definitely one of our favorites. But um, and her response, um, you know, they released a statement saying the, the the Performance Marketing Association believes the only way to solve the problem of sales tax collection on internet sales is by federal legislation. The Marketplace Fairness Act was just given a vote of confidence by the U.S. Senate. The bill has strong bipartisan support in the House and Senate, and we are hopeful that it will pass in 2013. The MFA truly levels the playing field for all brick-and-mortar and internet retailers, as the only solution that allows our small internet companies to resume their businesses in states where similar laws have been passed, and then Amazon would have terminated them. So the affiliates are hoping for a federal solution that would bring in, um, you know, a uniform system. To allow states to collect sales tax, um, as we discussed in, in past shows, with the, the Marketplace Fairness Act, and um, basically states that have a, a regime um, can can go forward, you know, subject as long as they streamline certain certain aspects, and um, and and so there's a uniform system in place. Um, states can go ahead and proceed under that. Um, it it hasn't passed yet, but uh, there is support for it on a bipartisan level. Although Grover um, Norquist has been uh, on and off again in his support or opposition for it, and so will we'll, remains to be seen. So we'll be keeping you posted on that. But it is a major development. It's unfortunate that uh, the state supreme court feels that the high court of the lands presidents, um, you know, have a have an expiration date. It is like milk, um, you know. Do not do not follow after a certain point. Well, I, I think that uh, the New York uh, Court of Appeals made a political decision, um, but it made an unfortunate legal decision. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll we'll keep you posted on that. An- another interesting development um, was over the weekend. We went to see a documentary film called In Your Dreams, and it's basically a film prepared made by Dave Stewart from the Rhythmics and Stevie Nicks on the album that Stevie Nicks had um, two years ago that was released with, with no fanfare and just kind of disappeared. And and S- Stevie Nicks actually um, gave an interview afterwards. And in, in her discussion, she said that um, she was heartbroken that her album just came and went, wasn't promoted by the record label, and she was talking to Dave Gro um, from the Foo Fighters, and he said, "Did you have a movie?" And she said, "Yes." He said, "Well, why don't you release the movie, and that will bring back your album?" And that's what she's doing. And and, and during the discussion, she lamented the state of the industry. She recalls a time when, you know, once you were signed, the record labels would kind of you know help young artists get on their feet, you know, build an audience. And you know, once you had a contract. Um, if you had a hit and then your next one you missed, they would still stick with you. And that's why you would have some of the the great acts that you had in the 70s, she believes. Um, But now with the whole internet uh, changes in the market and then pirating, um, she just feels that the the bands don't, the labels don't have the money to support the bands. And so what you're seeing is um, you have to be the, the it thing of the moment or you're gone. And so she thinks that's leading to a decline in our music and you know, a popization, so to speak. And um, it's an interesting point. You know, I was tempted to ask her. I said, okay, well, sure, no one should be you know, downloading stuff illegally, and, um, and we definitely need to stop that. But do you think it's fair that someone should pay $200,000 for downloading 20 songs? Um, you know, however, you know, Joel Tenenbaum, for example, well, he's going to pay close to a million dollars for about 30 songs. I mean, that's, that's just obscene. And so, yes, I mean, that, that is an issue. Um, and you definitely don't want to encourage, I mean, it should discourage that. But at the same time, we shouldn't be charging kids a million dollars for 30 songs. So, um... The video was interesting. You know, the movie was interesting. I meant. and you uh, has some good background information on Stevie Nicks, if, you're, if that's of interest to you. But um, you know, and and she is making appearances. And I don't know if it's just L.A. or not, but um, so if it comes to your area, it's a great way to to meet a, a, a legendary musician um, and uh, a great um, songwriter. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. Um and so we have some other news coming up. Um Google is once again uh in crosshairs over privacy. This time is with the European Union and they're going to be investigating that. Um but there's an important development in California. And let me tell you about what is um what is involved here. Now in the European Union, um there's a, a concept of a right that you can ask a company Um, for whatever data they have on you. It's called something like um, habeas corpus, except for data. They actually call it habeas data, Um, that you can liberate the data and see what it is you're collecting. And there's a famous case of a German citizen doing that for Facebook. And in the process, discovered how it was a way for people to learn just how much data Facebook collects, because what they produced was like 80 pages long. Um, and the guy had not been on Facebook that long. So um, there's a, a congressman, excuse me, semi woman from uh, Long Beach, California, and, and she and the state legislator has introduced a bill to, imp, to move forward with the concept of uh, habeas data in the United States. And so it's still in the earliest phases, but it'll be interesting to see how that develops. It'll just be an interesting debate. Um, what is your right to know and uh, how much of a burden is it to require companies to provide that information and if they have to do so in europe you know what's the difference in in, in having to do so here um and so that's definitely something we're going to be monitoring going forward now um we're going to be at AdTech next week, and we hopefully will be talking more in more detail about the Amazon decision and, and kind of you know what what's next, what does that mean for affiliates, what does that mean um, for you know the, where the movement's going. But you know, in, in the Amazon thing is interesting because I, I always thought that at a certain point, once there was a critical mass of states that had. Um, passed the law, or had you know, Amazon had reached agreements with for tax collection. That at a certain point, then the whole terminating of affiliates and, and things would, it would end, and that you know, Amazon would, would kind of work out a deal. And, and that seems to be what's happened. We have um, you know, Amazon now collecting taxes from more states every year, and not always by legislation, sometimes by agreement. So it's making progress, um, but it is important that the issue be resolved because a lot of affiliates have suffered and and had a great burden imposed because of that. So um, it's it's an issue to watch now. Um, with the we also hope to bring back um, bring back the information on the Providence Grays. And uh, it's 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 ironic that um, that they actually played the New York Mets, I think, <laughs> for Red Sox fans. But we had um, it's it's been an interesting day um, in so far in opening days in baseball. I don't know if you saw the uh, what happened here in Los Angeles. They actually had Magic Johnson on the mound. And uh, he switched out, and he was actually pulled from the mound before throwing the opening pitch so they could bring in Sandy Koufax. And that was definitely a thrill here. I hope you had a great opening day where you are uh, with your hometown team. But um, we only have a few minutes left, but um, definitely check out um, information about the the movie um, or the attempt to make the movie on the uh, 1884 Providence Grazed. It's called... um, um, barehanded champions, and uh, definitely an interesting story. Uh, we also have information about um, about the whole startup um, day on Capitol Hill. So go to um, cyberlawradio.wordpress, and you can have more information there. And um, for more information on some of the other issues, um, you can go to the Internet Law Center um, blog at ilccyberreport.com. So uh, we'll be covering this, but we'll be in um, San Francisco next week, and uh, always a beautiful place to visit. And um, so uh, we'll be hopefully through AdTech, and maybe we'll be talking to you then, but we'll be most likely broadcasting live from San Francisco on Wednesday, and we'll give you an update on AdTech, and we'll have a further discussion about Amazon Decision and what that means going forward. So um, this is Bennett Kelly and broadcasting live from Santa Monica, California, the heart of Silicon Beach. And we look forward to talking to you every week here on Webmaster Radio. Please be sure to download our uh, mobile app so you can listen to us anywhere. You can take us to the beach. You can take us to dinner. You can take us to lunch. Um, Feel free to share a picture. Let us know where it is that we've been. We'd like to know. But um, either way, um, definitely we, we, we appreciate you listening. And we'll be back next week um, with more cyber law and developments. And um, so the court is adjourned. Thank you for joining us. Have a safe week. And we look forward to talking to you live from San Francisco next week from AdTech. This is Bennett Kelly. Take care.